Hello there. Welcome to the British Food History Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Neil Buttery. Today, I'm going to be talking to food writer and Yorkshire pudding expert, Elaine Lem. But before we start, a reminder about my postbag episode, which is coming next time. As this episode goes out, I've not recorded it yet. So there's time to contact me about anything you hear in today's episode or any episode so far. It could be about food memories that have been sparked off. In fact, Elaine mentions that today, in fact. Or maybe it's some general food history question. Or maybe you've spotted some food history in the news or in a journal and you'd like to point it out to me. In fact, this whole episode is a case in point because I wouldn't have done an episode about Yorkshire puddings if Ian Harker hadn't emailed me. And he said in his email, As a Yorkshireman, I'd like you to do an episode on Yorkshire puddings. While they're a link back to when we used to cook on open fires, they've also adapted themselves to the modern world. There's even a Yorkshire pudding wrap company in Leeds Market. There is indeed. Thus giving Yorkshire its own street food. So I thought, you know, he really does have a good point. Yorkshire puddings go back hundreds of years and they just seem to be forever popular. So here we are. Now, he also mentions a Yorkshire pudding competition in Leeds that's mentioned in Jane Grigson's English Food and its controversial winner. I'm not going to say anything about that now, but I'm going to talk about that next week as part of the postbag edition. So, so that's proof that emailing me actually has an effect. If you're listening to this way in the future and you'd still like to send something in to me, well, don't worry, because there's going to be another postbag edition coming up again at some point. So, contact me. Email neil at britishfoodhistory.com Twitter, at neilbuttery Instagram, at dr underscore neil underscore buttery Start a thread, leave me a DM, send me an email. You know what to do. Oh, and please review, like and subscribe and tell folk about the podcast. A massive thank you to everybody that has so far. There's been many five-star ratings. You lot really are the best. Right, here we go. I talked to Elaine all the way back in July 2022. We discussed many things, including the origins of the Yorkshire pudding, what links it has to Yorkshire, excellent cooking tips, including the importance of the vessel it is cooked in, as well as the fat that is used. We also talked about Yorkshire pudding haters and toad in the hole. I'll see you at the end, but now, Yorkshire pudding with Elaine Lem. Hello, Elaine. Thank you very much for joining me today on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. I've been really looking forward to it. Oh, well, I was very pleased when you... um, reached out that's what people say these days don't they (laughs) over Uh social media and I was asking about um, some tips on making Yorkshire pudding I didn't know there was a whole book about Yorkshire pudding that you'd uh, penned yourself there is fantastic (laughs) absolutely um the world's only book on Yorkshire puddings dedicated solely to Yorkshire puddings yeah well I'll make sure there's a, a link in the show notes so people can go off and easily buy a copy if they fancy it thank you and the great thing about it is it's, it's a short book Sometimes mm-hmm. um, I find books just so detailed and involving that you almost kind of glaze over and don't take anything in, especially with history books. Sure. But sometimes you just yeah. want to know the main point. So you manage to pack quite a lot of stuff into that quite small book. 
Well, it, it's, it's quite interesting because it's called The Great Book of Yorkshire Puddings, but it's actually just a tiny little book. But it is really packed with information. And personally, um, when I was first asked to write the book, I'm thinking, it's really that much to say about Yorkshire pudding, but it's such a fascinating subject. And as you can tell, I am a Yorkshire lass. Yes, so, it's nice um, to be speaking to another Yorkshire person. It doesn't happen to me very much these days, not being in Yorkshire anymore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so, of course, it's very um, intrinsic to our way. You know, we, I was brought up with Yorkshire puddings. Mm-hmm. I suppose the funny thing about that little book is um, I actually approached the publishers to write a book that was not about Yorkshire puddings, but was about Yorkshire food. Because um, ah. everyone thinks Yorkshire, Yorkshire puddings. And, and and my whole thought was, let's see if we can get away from Yorkshire puddings and talk more about the food here. And they said, no, but we would like you to write a book about Yorkshire puddings. Right, okay. And now it's in its third edition and it sells all over the world. Oh, gosh, it's, fantastic. It's, it's been a, a lovely success, which I think is testament to the subject, to Yorkshire puddings. No, absolutely. I've been doing a lot of research on this uh and yes there's some quite heated um, opinions let's say from people about what yep. a yorkshire pudding is isn't what should be in it we'll get we'll get to that in a moment sure okay a world without yorkshire pudding is for you and i and probably most people in britain i would say is it unimaginable because it's such a, a, a core a keystone of, of of british cuisine they must have come from somewhere they must have an origin story what do we know about the origins of, of Yorkshire pudding? Well, that was my primary aim at the, at the beginning when I was researching the book, Early Doors, was let's get to the bottom of this and, um, and let's see where, why, and also why are they so synonymous with Yorkshire? You know, so where did they get the title Yorkshire pudding from? Mm-hmm. And I can tell you honestly, the reason doesn't exist. It's, it's like a myth. So there are so many stories about why, maybe urban myths. And I heard so many and read so many And um, during the research. Uh, things like that the, um, they believe strongly, the belief is out there that it was the Romans who marching through and up and stopped in Yorkshire and created the Yorkshire pudding. Okay. But there's no basis, there's no basis for <laughs> any of this. And I shall continue, I think to try to find out, uh, but it doesn't seem to be there. They, the first ever, ever mention of anything that's remotely like a Yorkshire pudding was in 1737 mm-hmm. um, when they were first mentioned in a book, um, but then they weren't um, referred to as a Yorkshire pudding then. It was called a dripping pudding. Okay. So it's it's the start of what we know today as a Yorkshire pudding. But the whole premise was that the meat was spit roasted. Yes. Um, and 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 the the dripping tin underneath to catch catch the 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 dripping from the meat, which I think is actually a fabulous part of any roast, is the bit in the bottom of the tin. Yes, indeed. Um, I, I think it's. I mean, I just like to dip bread in it. But, <laughs> you know. um, so the 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 original batter was poured into the tin. And, and as such, um, would absorb the fat and the drippings. And I can only imagine must have been utterly delicious because it, it was, it was just soaking this up, but it, it, it didn't rise the way that we know a Yorkshire pudding because we bake a Yorkshire pudding. 
it's not underneath, it's actually baked in an oven, which causes the, the rise. So it was this thick, delicious, I suppose like a big, thick, fat pancake yeah. that had got all the meat juices in it. And that, again, then was cut into slabs and, and served alongside the meat. Wonderful. Um, so that's the, the, the origin as far as we understand it to be about the Yorkshire pudding. Okay, and when does it uh, become Yorkshire pudding rather than just a dripping pudding? Can we, I guess it's a difficult thing. It's very difficult and much to the um, chagrin of people in Yorkshire, the first ever written recipe mm-hmm. it comes from Northumberland ah. um, and, and is a Yorkshire pudding. But at that point, it's still not called a Yorkshire pudding. I don't don't want to sound like I don't know what I'm talking about, but it's I've done so much work trying to find out (laughs) why. I understand why people think it comes from Yorkshire and why it's associated with Yorkshire, and but how it's got its name, I actually don't know. Hmm. We kind of forget, don't we, that we don't really roast have really roast dinners anymore. We're having we, we bake our meat even though we call it roasted. And it's a completely exactly. different thing, I think. I've only ever once eaten spit roasted meat and it was amazing. It's amazing. It's, I think it's a fabulous way of cooking, but it doesn't fit with our lifestyle anymore, does it? So they they were roasted in the, the big houses, in the big chimneys, in the fireplaces, the big the big spits would, um, you know, a whole piece of mutton, lamb, beef, whatever. And we obviously, nowadays, we don't have the space to do that. And what do you think about modern Yorkshire puddings? Of course, we all bake our Yorkshire puddings now, but yes. some people, particularly on Twitter, and I must admit, I've been guilty of this too, so I, I'm, I'm counting myself in this, took a huge amount of pride in making little muffin-sized ones, or using the muffin tins, yeah. putting your oil in there and getting this really, really high um, Yorkshire pudding, which is all crispy all the way through. I mean, that's not the Yorkshire pudding of my childhood. It's my my first ever food memory is my granny, and she was a professional cook in um, one of the big houses here in in Yorkshire. Um, was was my granny taking Yorkshire puddings out of a Yorkshire range? And you'll understand what I mean by that. You know, it was alongside the fire, mm-hmm. so that's how long ago it was. Um, and her. Puddings, as were my mother's, mm-hmm. were always quite doughy at the bottom. Yes. And then you got, then you the, right got the rise. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I don't, personally, I don't like the crispy, crispy versions because to me that's not a true Yorkshire pudding. And it is that lovely, I suppose a bit like back to the dripping pudding, which was a thick doughy concoction wasn't it in in the tin that's really how it should be and you get that that lovely softness and then you get the rise and then the crispy bit at the top i mean it's hard to kind of describe to people certainly outside britain what we kind of mean by something uh, puddingy in texture it's it's kind of stodgy but in a good way yeah Um, yes which but automatically feels like it's boring or bland or, or whatever but you know, there's. I think I, I'm a big believer, and I say this quite a lot. There's good stodge and bad stodge, and there's good bland and bad bland. Mm-hmm. We all love mayonnaise. We love mashed potato. We love chicken. You know, they're all bland foods, sure. but they're our go-to comfort foods. And I think Yorkshire pudding is definitely a comfort food. The Yorkshire pudding is. Um, it's very wholesome and it's very nurturing, but it is actually can be quite bland in some ways. 
obviously depending on what fat you use to cook it cook it mm. in the devil's know? in the and detail people, isn't it it's in the detail and i'm afraid for me vegetable oil is out the window no 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 because it it, it will help the rice but it doesn't bring anything in terms of a flavor whereas mm-hmm. beef dripping or even if, you know, to be quite posh now, you know, a bit of duck fat or a bit of goose fat, and you get that flavour as well that comes from, from which, of course, going back to the original Yorkshire pudding, would be just oozing with flavour. So it's like, a, to me, a Yorkshire pudding is often a vehicle for lots of other foods and to enjoy with or part of other food as well. But it really does need fat, good fat. Yes, to give to give it to give it some flavour. It's like a pancake. I mean, a pancake's really not very much, mm-hmm. is it? Unless until you put the jam on, or the lemon, or the sugar. Much the same with Yorkshire puddings. No, absolutely. So, well, while we're talking about, it, let's spell it out a little bit. What ingredients would you say <laughs> go into a Yorkshire pudding? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, ask ask ten different people. But um, eggs for me, eggs, milk plain flour and salt. As my mum, my late mum, it would be milk and water flour. Yes, my mum did half half milk, half water. And some chefs that I know will some add a little bit of malt vinegar. Yes, I've heard that. We, I only heard about it researching it though. It's not. Mm. It's not something I had come across. It's not before. something I've ever. I've tried it. I don't. It doesn't. It doesn't change anything for me. Um, I think I made close to fifteen hundred Yorkshire puddings when I was doing the book, and for all sorts of different reasons, photography. <laughs> so I kept trying lots of different things, mm-hmm. and uh, the malt vinegar didn't really do anything. Beer didn't do anything. Okay. Um, I think it's just a case of wanting it to be a little bit different. So basically, milk, milk and water. I think my mum. And my, my grandmother probably did it more for economy rather than um, flavour. But I used I used milk, semi-skimmed milk, plain mm-hmm. flour, salt. Okay. And Eggs. how about the, the making of it? I guess, do you, do you go by the um, proportions sort of method? I work on the volume method. Um, and the reason for that is like my best friend and, and my family, we all have, everybody has a different way of making Yorkshire puddings. Um, and so my mum did never measured a thing. She just threw it in the bowl and off she went and did it. And I have yeah, a friend who does the same. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just don't really even think, think about, about it. it. Just like, yeah. in it goes. It? Um, <laughs> however, as a food writer, it's not possible to put that into writing. You know, it, it, people want, you know, I get so many people that say to me, I can't make Yorkshire puddings, I can't make Yorkshire puddings. Well, actually, you can. Um, you just need um, maybe some guidance, unlike my mum, who just would throw it together mm-hmm. and made fabulous Yorkshire pudding. So there was nothing wrong with her method. But if I'm trying to get that point across, I do need to to make sure that it's a recipe that will really work for everybody. So the volume measure really, for me, is the one that really is, is pretty fail-safe. Um, and I, I think I think I'm at something like, half a million views on YouTube for my video of making Yorkshire pudding. Oh, yeah. And just endless, endless comment, endless comments from around the world of people saying, finally, finally, I've made Yorkshire puddings or I married a Yorkshireman and he's so happy now that I can make Yorkshire puddings. And the volume method is quite straightforward. It's quite simple. So if you've got four eggs, mm-hmm. let's say, 
then you just measure it in a jug and four eggs will be roughly around 200 mil. So then you've got 200 mil of eggs, you've got 200 mil of liquid, you know, Mm -hmm. the milk or milk and water if that's what you want, 200 mil of flour and a pinch of salt. That's it. So you can actually, you don't even have to measure it. You could just crack the eggs into a cup and see how much. And as long as they're equal, mm-hmm. mix them all, give them a good thrashing in the bowl with the, and let, let it stand. Yes, that's important, isn't it? You let can't it go stand. far wrong. Yeah. yeah. So Standing pe- is very important. Yes, you can't just mix them up and chuck them in the oven. You've got to give them. Some people like to give a, a good 24 hours or at least an overnight resting you can do that. There's a bit. It's a little bit extreme. It's not. It's not going to change. So if I'm doing a Sunday roast and we're going to eat about four, mm-hmm. I like to make my Yorkshire's probably about ten in the morning. Um, not in the no, never in the fridge. Just put them to the mm-hmm. side, cover them with a cloth, and every so often, as I walk past, I'll just give it a quick thrash. You know, yep. just give it a little zhuzh up, um, and then just leave it. And 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 the batter then is a, it rests really well. Never put it in the fridge. And then if you've got that, the, the combination of the, of the very hot fat in the oven, absolutely paramount, into the pan, doosh, up it goes. It's fabulous. I love watching it. Oh, yes, I like it. It starts to just instantly kind of flare up there. It sounds like little frills. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> How much fat? Because this is something that I, I'm not sure if I get right or wrong, to be honest. Some people say to add a, a, a small amount. Some people put in a really good kind of thick layer of fat at the bottom. I guess that's I replicating know. the dripping from the original thing. But of course, it's we're not doing it on mm. spits anymore. We're doing it in, a, in an oven. Yeah, is that important? It ends up going all over the place if you put too much in. But that, that's a separate issue, maybe. <laughs> it's, it is a separate issue. I have seen a chef being there when a chef was making Yorkshire puddings. And it, to go back to say the muffin tin, you know, the the 12 hole muffin tin, would actually a third fill with vegetable oil and then pour the batter in. And and I didn't like the results. That was a very crispy Yorkshire pudding. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a soft, a soft, soggy one. So for me, it is like a pea size, little just a little dish of lard or dripping or goose or beef fat into the tin. No more than that. And and you get that, it's just cooks the bottom, it helps with the rise, adds to the flavour, but you don't get a greasy, um, crispy Yorkshire pudding. No, indeed. That's that's important, I think. I think people um, have almost forgotten what a Yorkshire pudding is. I, I mean, I know all dishes evolve over time and change over time, and you get grumpier as you get older and you don't like change. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> and, you, and you look back, you know, at your childhood with rose-tinted glasses, rose-tinted oh. taste buds, but I'm fairly sure that the more traditional puddingy pudding made in is. See, I, my mum used to use um, the bigger than muffin tins, but I don't know, maybe about three or four inches. Was wide. it a four hole? Yeah, it was, there was four. Hole. four. Yeah, that's, that's the, the tradition. That's the traditional Yorkshire pudding tin, and that will give you that lovely size of Yorkshire pudding that kind of almost fills half of the plate. It's, it's quite dominant on the plate instead of these small muffin-sized ones. Um, that's the traditional, and that's one of our favourites here at home. The 12-hole muffin tin is great if you want to make volume. 
you know, if you've got lots of people coming and you want to put a big dish of Yorkshire puddings on the table, then they work. They, they, of course they do. But one of my favourites is the, a large square roasting tin, which is going back really more towards the traditional, um, original Yorkshire pudding, mm-hmm. where it just, you've got, and that's always doughy at the bottom. That's very nice. If I like the corner bit. So you get the doughy bit, then you get the edges. Yes. Um, I, I love a slab of Yorkshire pudding as well. Yes, me too. And it's great when you get a slab or at least one of those, um, those one of those ones from the, the, the Fora, whatever that's called. I don't yeah. know what it's called. The push- the, the, yeah. <laughs> Has it got a name? A, York- a Yorkshire pudding tin, oh, that's Yorkshire its pudding name. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Obviously. You can, um, when, when the kids are at home, for a midweek supper, sometimes I would use a Victoria sandwich tin. So then you would get a dinner, almost a dinner plate size, which then became like a bowl. Yes. Um, and which is fabulous if you've got kids because you just put the stew or the chili or the mince or even just a nice onion gravy into it. And it's, it's kids love it. It's it's a it's just a really sustaining, filling dish and really cheap to make. Mm. Do you know, when I was um, researching for this episode, there was a couple of people who, I mean, I'm not sure if this is something to do with being English or British, but um, people were complaining about Yorkshire puddings and they just didn't want them because they associated it, because it's economical, associated with, with um, peasant food. Or something like that. And I just thought that's very strange. That's bizarre. In in France, peasant food is the best. It's lauded. It's same with Spain, same with Italy. Mm-hmm. You know, peasant food is the best food. Because I for one thing, it's a leveler for starters. I just found that quite odd. A bit of Yorkshire pudding negativity. <laughs> I thought everyone would just be loving them. I've never come across Yorkshire pudding negativity. No. Um well, then why, if it's a peasant food, why is practically every dining pub in this country on a Sunday packed with people eating a Sunday roast and Yorkshire puddings for fifteen ninety five or you know eighteen ninety five for a Sunday for a Sunday roast? You know that's not peasant food, is it? No, because we love it. It's 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 part of our heritage. It it's absolutely not, yeah. is. No, I agree. Mm. I agree, and they need to. They need to chill out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You said before that um, we can't really say the Yorkshire pudding is from Yorkshire. It's become associated with Yorkshire. And I would Mm. say certainly Yorkshire puddings are consumed differently in Yorkshire than the rest of the country. Would you agree? Yes, I would agree with that. Yes. What happens yeah. in your family? Everyone has every Yorkshire family has a slightly different version of this. Yeah, <laughs> but what goes on in your family? Mm-hmm. I was brought up with um, having Yorkshire puddings as the starter. That was always, um, and that that's <laughs> it's to do with good Yorkshire thrift, apparently. Yes, because. Um, especially as I had several brothers and sisters as well. So mum would fill us up on Yorkshire puddings and then guess what? We didn't eat too much meat Mm -hmm. then. And and it was a way of filling hungry tummies as well. And that was just the way that we had them. 
always as starters. And actually, I could I was quite happy just with Yorkshire puddings. But um, we've moved on from that a little bit, really, and, and gone to the muffin-sized ones where they're on the plate with the food. I think that's quite general now, to be honest, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, well, I... I don't really, I don't eat as many roasts than I used to. I'm trying not to cook as many uh, prime cuts these mm. days. Yeah, I'm yeah. trying to be a bit more, you know, moral and sustainable about the meat that I'm cooking. So, so I probably yeah, only yeah. make Yorkshire puddings maybe twice a year now. <laughs> when I had my when I had my little restaurant a few years ago, we mm. you know we did we did roasts and we did the little muffin ones. So yeah, you know, yeah. like, like I was saying before, you know, I'm included included in that. But the more I read your book and did the research, I just thought, oh my. Goodness, the Yorkshire puddings that I had as a child were so different, a different, similar, yes. a different species, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely related, yeah. but a different species. And they wouldn't have been eating them with prime cuts back back in the day. They wouldn't because that, that was, I mean, you know, a chicken was something luxurious, you mm. know. So quite frankly, sometimes on a Sunday, uh, we don't have a full roast, but we'll have toad in the hole. Which I absolutely love toad in the house. Yes, you, I was just it's, about it's to mention glorious. it. Yeah, it's a fantastic yeah. thing. When I lived in America, I was there for a couple of years and I, you know, a lot of my friends thought British food was very strange. I did, I turned them around because I did lots of little dinner parties yeah. and got them around yeah, and yeah. They, all, they all loved it. But one of the infamously weird stroke gross British foods is toad in the hole. I think they think it's actually a toad or something. I and think they think it's it a toad, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know where it got its name from? No, I don't actually. Oh, it's because originally um, a toad in the hole would be made with sausage meat, not sausages. So they would drop lumps of sausage ah. meat into the tin and they looked like little toads with their heads sticking out of the batter. Mm. Okay. So that was the toad in the hole. But now, of course, we put the sausages in. And and I think given when you look at the range of sausages that, that you can buy now with, with different flavours and gluten-free and all the rest of it, they suit, you know, there's always something to suit. I think just think toad in the hole is fabulous. I really do. I love it. No, it's absolutely great. No, I, I love it too. Did you ever do, um, I'm trying to think of the friends, one of my friends next door but one growing up, they always used to have Yorkshire pudding as a starter, but with jam in it. It's always a, a weird thing. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we always had jam. We had jam, um, and I still have Yorkshire puddings with jam, with leftover Yorkshire puddings. So good. I've been known to have Yorkshire puddings for my breakfast. Okay. If I just happen to see some left from the... They're not often left, but... We have pancakes for breakfast. It's the same thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, but the one of the, one of the things I discovered writing the book was... Well, I discovered it, lots of people knew it. I didn't know. It's not something we did, which was to serve hot Yorkshire puddings with raspberry vinegar. I don't think I've ever had raspberry vinegar, you know. I don't think I've ever had Mm -hmm. it. Well, I, of course, obviously for the book, you know, I researched it more and then I tried it. Mm -hmm. And it is so good. Oh, I'm going to have to try it. So it's fresh out. Fresh out of the oven Yorkshire pudding. Mm. So it's not sweet and it's not savoury, but obviously the vinegar and there's something with the raspberry. It's just a beautiful combination. Mm. And then I remember my mum, or it might have been my gran, I can't remember now, they used to make a thing called Yorkshire salad, and I think you'll see that's in the book. And that would be at the end of the week um, when there was, or if, 
because my dad used to grow a lot of our food at the allotment. My mum would take like all the trimmings of a lettuce or something and she'd chop it very finely, like a chiffonade, and then a little bit of onion, a little bit of sugar, and then some vinegar, and she'd steep it overnight. And mm. she would serve that sometimes in the Yorkshire pudding as a starter. Mm. And it's really good. So the, the, again, the Yorkshire pudding becomes the vehicle for these other other flavours and other textures. I'm going to have to try the raspberry vinegar. Is that something you yeah. got to kind of make yourself? Is it available to buy? No, no, you can you, you buy can it? buy it. There's some there's some lovely ones around. Yeah, I think there's a picture of one in the book, and that's I think it's from Womersley Vinegars, and they do some beautiful aromatic vinegars. Oh, okay, I'll check that out online, and I'll, I'll put that in the show notes yeah. too as well for people. Well, thank you very much for talking to me about Yorkshire pudding today, Elaine. Have you got any future projects or anything you can tell us about? Yes, I have actually, mm. which I'm, I'm quite delighted about, having wanted to write the book, which was not about Yorkshire puddings 10 years ago. I just finished my new book, which is called More Than Yorkshire Puddings, which is um, <laughs> Good title. still it still pays homage to the Yorkshire pudding because it's in the book, mm-hmm. of course it is. And and it's but it's too um it's a book about my upbringing and my journey through food and all the things and countries and, and what, um, that I've lived in and worked in and the influences of those countries back in Yorkshire using Yorkshire foods. It's a quite a combination of a cookbook. I have uh, one chapter, my legacy recipes, which is the Yorkshire puddings and the toad in the holes mm-hmm. and the steak and kidney pudding and just some of the dishes that, you know, you would feel that you would expect to see in a book about Yorkshire food. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the rest of the chapters go um, and celebrating basically, you know, the fabulous landscape, the coastline, the, the producers that we have here, the people making incredible charcuterie and mm. cheeses and, and pickles and preserves. And we've got such a wealth of food in Yorkshire. So it, for me, it's been an absolute delight to write this book and I literally sent it off last week for after the final proof and it will be out in October oh excellent well I mean you'll have to come back on and tell people about it thank you I would love to I'd love you to come on and this is a proper big book this time proper big book (laughs) it's a big book (laughs) book. book. (laughs) (laughs) yeah no I love my little Yorkshire pudding book it's I'm so proud of it it's just a lovely a lovely little book wonderful project to work on oh it's fantastic very easy to read and you can just whiz through it and it takes you a couple of um sittings and you read you read through it and you feel like you know all you need to know and then well hopefully you go off and cook some perfect puddings i'm going to have a go at um cooking some perfect puddings i'm going to do the trick i'm going to try the tray the tray method i think because it's been such a long time since i've made one. Oh yeah oh, can I ask a yeah, question yeah. um yeah so i am stricken with an intolerance to onions Oh, it's a cross I have to bear. Um, Wow. (laughs) So onion gravy isn't an option. Could you think of a good alternative to uh, onion gravy for a Yorkshire pudding? Because that's the basic one. A good a good meat gravy is good with anything, isn't it? But I think I'd be looking then at perhaps putting in mushrooms or something to to give you some texture Mm. that would um, that would that would be really tasty as well with the Yorkshire pudding. Yes, it? it's quite meaty as well, isn't it? A mushroom. It's quite meaty, yeah. So it give, give you like a good a good body. Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah, that, that's I think a good that idea. would be quite nice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, maybe a bit of. But uh, really, mushroom ketchup. a good, yeah, precisely, are a good, just a really good gravy that's made with the 
meat juices at the bottom of the tin and I think, I think you can beat it in a Yorkshire pudding. No, it's fantastic, isn't it? And if anybody listening out there is dubious about Yorkshire pudding or has never had a Yorkshire pudding, well, you need to sort yourselves out and <laughs> buy a copy of Elaine's book. I think my, my what I would love to see more is people going back to making their own Yorkshire puddings because the cost of them compared to buying ready-made ones is, especially in these straightened times that we're in right now, you know, that, you know, to whip up a tray of Yorkshire puddings, if, especially if you use the volume method, it takes minutes to do and will save you an awful lot of money. It absolutely That's the will. Yorkshire in me. That's the Yorkshire, you see. <laughs> hey, I mean, no, it's... it's <laughs> I mean, it's a good point. I mean, we need to get our skills back. And, yeah, yeah. you know, with these simple foods, I, I guess it goes back to what you were saying at the beginning. You know, we were shown how to make Yorkshire puddings. And I guess it's the same as mm-hmm. bread or anything like that. That's just made out of a handful of ingredients. It's hard to write a method unless you have to go step by step, which is, of course, what you get the step, chance to do. Yeah, yeah. But most yeah, cookbooks yeah. don't or can't. I find mm-hmm. it's the same with bread and pastry. It's something, if you if someone shows you the tricks or how this feels yeah. or what it should look like, the penny drops mm. instantly. Whereas for me, certainly with bread, it took me years before I could make a decent loaf of bread. And then when you can do oh, it, really? yeah. Yeah, yeah. you can suddenly yeah. do it. And you think, how could I never have not done it? It seems so obvious. So it's skills that are hard to get back once they're lost, I think. Yeah, it's so... I don't know. It's so rewarding. It just—it's just, it's who we are. We cook. We should be cooking. And and if we could just get all these skills back, you know, that's that's been my raison d'être for years, teaching and trying to encourage people to cook. You know, and I have my family all cook. It's it's lovely. And now I have grandchildren, and I cook with them. Good. And um, just to, just as I cooked with, with my grandmother and my mum, you know, and, and they love it. They absolutely, you know, they love to see the results. Even the little ones who are only two, they just love to cook. Absolutely. Yes. Get the kids in the kitchen. I used to teach yep. kids uh, cooking, but I used to find it too stressful. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a bit, it's a bit messy and a bit stressful, but it's so joyful to watch, really. <laughs> When, when they really want to do it, you know, it's, it's fabulous. So we need, we need to get it back. Okay, let's get ourselves together now. Thanks again for coming on. And yeah, hopefully catch you again later on in the year. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was so enjoyable. Thank you. Thank you, Elaine. I do hope she comes back on next season to talk about her new book. I've left links to her books, The Great Book of Yorkshire Pudding, as well as her new one, more than Yorkshire pudding, food stories and over 100 recipes from God's own country. Out in the UK on the 21st of October 2022. You can also follow Elaine on social media as well. Something I forgot to mention when we were talking, um, but I've put her handles in the show notes. I've also left links to her YouTube video that she mentioned, where she demonstrates how to make Yorkshire puddings, as well as a link to that raspberry vinegar that she mentioned should you fancy getting hold of some. On the blog quite soon, in the next few days hopefully, I shall be putting out my version of Yorkshire pudding that I did in a roasting tin. So keep an eye out for that. In fact, I've kept meaning to mention the blog and I keep forgetting. I've also recently posted about the, well, kind of forgotten, Scots fermented oat drink slash porridge slash flummery known as Suens. So uh, check that out as well. What else do I need to tell you? Oh, yes. Here's one I always forget about. I never mention it. 
my book. A Dark History of Sugar is out now. If you're looking to cut down on your sugar intake, folks, think of this as some aversion therapy. Okay, it's nearly time to go. Just a reminder, please contact me with comments, queries, etc. for the postback episode. Not just about episodes from this season, but any of the seasons so far. Please write in, email, neil at britishfoodhistory.com, Twitter, at Neil Buttery, Instagram, Dr. Underscore Neil Underscore Buttery. There's no Easter eggs associated with this episode, but I shall be adding some blog posts for subscribers once this current stint of the podcast has ended. Subscribing, by the way, is a way of supporting the blogs and podcasts. I mean, you already are supporting by listening to the podcast. But if you want to support a wee bit more, please review, like, subscribe, and tell folk about it. But you could also become a subscriber. Subscribers get access to my Easter eggs page with lots of extras from past episodes, deleted scenes, extra bits, uncut interviews, an extra mini-season, and, as I just mentioned, extra blog posts. If you want to start one, go to the Support the Blog and Podcast tab on the website, britishfoodhistory.com. A subscription is £3 a month, and everything I receive goes back into making more content. Alternatively, you could treat me to a one-off virtual coffee or pint. Right, off I pop. Have a great week, and I'll see you for the last episode of Season 4 next time. Cheerio. Cheerio.